Welcome to all of you. Open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 12 in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers. Find it right there, chapter 12. Welcome to all of you. Welcome especially to those of you at the Franklin campus. God bless you. Pastor Eric, we love you. We will see you at the creek for a creek baptism. It's going to be exciting, both campuses together. Uh, Pastor Eric, I assure you that we will protect you this year. Do y'all remember last year when Pastor Eric was just, you know, standing there talking to the Lord on the creek bank and the Chip Jenkins, uh, like a crazed madman, came out and attacked beloved Pastor Eric, took him down, tackled him, and and threw him in the water. Do y'all remember that? And then they just washed off to Allen County. We just waved him goodbye. Um, Pastor Eric has continued to relive that nightmare for a year now. And uh, I assure you, nothing like that will happen this year to you, Pastor Eric. I have deputized every deacon on both campuses. Uh, Chip Jenkins would have to drown uh, Teddy Martin and Freddie Morris and Ron Duvall and all the rest in order to get to you. We will take care of you. It's going to be a great time. I will see you all there. This is the final message in a series entitled, Where the Wild Things Are. Coming from the book of Proverbs where it says, Above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of your life. Guard your heart. Well, it begs the question, guard my heart against what? What is it that's trying to get to my heart? What is it that would destroy me from the inside out? And that's what we've been talking about for several weeks now. We've talked about anger and depression as monsters in the heart, monsters we must guard against. We talked about cupidity, a kind of a weird kind of love that the world talks about that combines with stupidity and destroys our relationships. This morning, one more monster of the heart. This one is the one that scripture calls a cancer in your bones, and it's jealousy. Let's talk about jealousy this morning. Now, when you talk about jealousy, honestly, it sort of runs together with another kind of sin, the one we call envy or or, or coveting. And there are those who would want to make a very technical distinction between envy and jealousy. Jealousy being trying to keep what you have and envy being trying to get what you want. But I'm just not going to be that technical. This morning when I talk about jealousy, sometimes it'll sound like I'm also talking about envy. But I really believe like for the most part, we experience these two things at the same time. They often travel together. So I'm just going to treat them more or less as the same compulsion, a monster, a cancer in our bones. We find a good example of it in Numbers chapter 12. How many of you have brothers and sisters? How many of you have brothers and sisters who are jealous of you because you're so awesome? Go ahead. No, don't, don't. Uh, Please, somebody tell my sister to put her hand down. Uh, Yeah. That's called sibling rivalry, and often there's a special kind of jealousy that happens inside families between brothers and sisters, and this is part of what you see in this story here. Numbers chapter 12 involves three characters, Moses, whom you know. Moses had an older brother and an older sister. Their names are Miriam and Aaron. And often in the way we tell the stories, we don't give Miriam and Aaron the credit they deserve. They were right there beside Moses the whole time. They were powerful leaders along with Moses as God delivered the children of Israel out of slavery. And this is a very, very uh, interesting episode. This isn't typical of what you see out of Miriam and Aaron, but it is what you see in this story. Numbers chapter 12, follow along, listen to the word of the Lord. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. We'll come back to that. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? 
but the Lord heard them. Now, Moses was very humble. This is interesting. Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. So so notice, we're about to see two people exemplify jealousy. And at the same time, Scripture makes a point of saying to Moses, he exemplifies humility. And those two things are sort of opposites. Understand that. Verse 4. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. Sounds like your daddy, doesn't it? All three of you. So the three of them went out to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry with them and he departed. That's interesting, underline that, he he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. She's been punished. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh, God, I beg you, please heal her. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she may be accepted back. So Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. One person said that if jealousy were a physical illness, the whole world would be a hospital. If jealousy were a physical illness, the whole world would be a hospital. The person's trying to emphasize that of all of the kinds of sins, all of the kinds of inward attitudes that we could talk about, jealousy is one that probably afflicts most all of us. Do you believe that? I don't know. The thing about jealousy is that it tends to hide. Jealousy never comes right out. It always wears a mask. It always tries to look like something else. And that's why jealousy is especially cancerous in your soul and especially deceptive. It it tends always to hide. It never looks like jealousy on the outside. At least I know my kind of jealousy doesn't. I I, I said my kind of jealousy. Honestly, most of the time I like to think of myself as not a jealous person. I'm really not a very jealous person. I don't think so. I'm not a jealous husband. I know some people in marriage are very, very jealous. That jealous spouse is the one who's stalking his wife, stalking her husband, going back and checking the text messages, never trusting, always being afraid of being replaced by a rival. I'm not that guy. I am not a jealous husband. I just don't feel like a jealous person. Now, I am a little bit jealous of people with athletic ability. I don't have any. It's just a little bit jealous. I ran a marathon last year, 26 miles. It's a big deal for me. I ran the marathon. I ran it very slowly. 
I really am not a fast runner. I'm not even a good runner. My object was just to drag my bones across the finish line. And that's what I did. I finished slowly and painfully. I finished at the very back. I'm telling you, they were taking the balloons down at the finish line. I'm not kidding. They were taking the finish line down as I was coming across. But I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm okay with that. Here's the part that got me. Somewhere along mile 24, mile, I've been running 24, 25 miles, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm having an out-of-body death experience. You understand? I was hurting. And the first thing I realized as I was dragging myself, the first thing that was new was the smell of icy hot. I smelled, y'all know what I'm talking about? Icy hot is that, that ointment that old people put on their joints, you know? I smelled icy hot. And then the next thing I saw was an old woman passing me. <laughs> I am not kidding. Icy hot. This lady must have slathered herself in icy hot from, from head to toe to do this, but she passed me. And I'm not just saying old woman, like older than me. I'm talking, I mean, picture your grandmother. This was a woman, I'm not kidding, with a hairdo. She had a little hairdo. Athletes don't have hairdos. My grandma Pearson had a hairdo. This woman had a hairdo. And I see hot, and I'm not kidding, she ran right past me. And that's the moment when something in me says, God, why? Why? If I could have felt my foot, I would have stuck it out. I would have stuck it out and tripped Miss Icy Hot right there on the pavement. God, why? Why? I mean, I'm not jealous of the guys up front who, who finished the thing and they're already back in the hotel drinking ice water. I'm not jealous of them. I know I'm not them. But it's just when the old lady with the icy hot and the dempster dentures flapping, she goes flying by me. I mean, come on, God, why can't I at least have the athletic ability of one of the golden girls? Why can't I at least keep up with her? I mean, is that jealousy? Maybe that's jealousy. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to think so. I'm not really a jealous preacher either, honestly. Uh, I love my fellow pastors. I love the fellow churches. I, I'm telling you, I rejoice when they rejoice. I, I, I pray with them when they pray. I, I love the kingdom of God. We're not in competition. I know that. And ordinarily, I'm not a jealous pastor. I'm not. I promise I'm not. But the other day, I ran into Jason Pettis. You know Jason Pastor at Living Hope, he's a runner. I saw him at Kyriakis. He runs faster than me too. The whole world does. Uh, I saw Pastor Jason, and he said, have you heard about Steve Ayers? Now, honestly, when pastors get together, that's what we always say. You heard about Steve Ayers? Because y'all know Steve Ayers, pastor at Hillview Heights. He's always doing something, and there's always a Steve Ayers story. He said, you heard about Steve Ayers? I said, no, what's Steve done now? He said, listen to this. Jason said, they got a $6 million check in the offering plate at Hillview the other Sunday. $6 million. I'm not a jealous preacher. I'm not. $6 million. And Ayers said that it was a tithe, which means somewhere in our city is somebody making $60 million. And they go to Hillview. I'm not a jealous preacher, I, honestly. I'm not a jealous preacher. I, I'm, I'm just not. But still, I'm just thinking, I'm not a jealous preacher. I'm not. 
honestly, I love Hillview Heights. I love Steve Ayers. I went to high school with Ayers. I, I love him as my brother. And there's not another church anywhere that I think deserves that money more than Hillview. <laughs> so maybe us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, I mean, yeah, praise God for them. I wouldn't take it away from them so we could have it, but I'd like to have it. Did you understand? Is that jealousy? No? Yes? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's my kind of, of jealousy. Jealousy is just that that. that, that kind of resentfulness you feel when others are blessed. Jealousy is that, uh, that uh, resentment. It's that threatened feeling that you get when things go well for other people. It's, it's jealousy. It's what Scripture calls a cancer in our bones. But we rarely ever admit our own jealousy. We can usually find a way to call it something else. It typically wears a kind of mask in our lives. And therefore, while this may be the monster that lurks inside of most every one of our hearts, I'm probably talking to people this morning who really don't think they have a problem with this. I just want to suggest that maybe you do have a problem with jealousy, just like maybe I have a problem with, with, with my kind of jealousy. Notice how it works. The story is rather amazing. First off, it's Aaron and, and Miriam. I know in Sunday school lessons, Aaron and Miriam are never the stars of the show, and that is part of the problem here. Aaron and, Mar Aaron and Miriam always sort of play a second and third place behind their baby brother Moses. Always, always. But they are faithful too. Don't forget that. Even though this is an episode that doesn't make them look very good, and even though this is an episode where God judges and punishes them, understand for the most part, Aaron and Miriam are very blessed, very much used by God. They are heroes in Scripture. Don't ever miss that. That's the thing about Scripture. It's the amazing thing about the Christian Scriptures. Because even as we're shown these characters who are wonderful saints before God, the Bible never ever conceals their flaws and their faults. So we get episodes like this about people that are ordinarily very, very strong, faithful, righteous people. So understand, Aaron and Miriam are, are typically not like this, but something gets a hold of them. Something gets a hold of them. Remember Aaron, he is the mouthpiece for Moses. Remember when God first calls Moses, and what does Moses say? God, not me. I, I don't speak very well. I, I'm not a good speaker. What about my brother Aaron? So Moses nominates his brother Aaron, and so Aaron goes alongside Moses. Go back and read the stories. Aaron is always there, the mouthpiece beside Moses. It's Aaron confronting Pharaoh. It's Aaron always there speaking the harsh words. Aaron is Moses' mouthpiece. He's faithful. He's been there. In the whole story, there are only three times when Aaron is ever shown to make a mistake. The first one's a big one. Aaron is the one who made the golden calf. That, that was Aaron's mistake. But he's forgiven, he's restored. The second mistake is this one, when jealousy gets a hold of him and he criticizes his brother. That's the second time. The third time, right alongside Moses, Aaron is held guilty for striking the rock. Go back and read that story. Other than that, Aaron is always an exemplary, heroic leader of the people of God. He's a good man. 
Think about Miriam. Do you remember her? She's the older sister. When Pharaoh was going to kill all of the Jewish babies, what did Miriam and her mother do? They took baby Moses, they put him in a basket, set the basket afloat in the river, and what did Miriam do as a girl? She guarded that basket. She watched that basket. And when the very daughter of Pharaoh came down and found her brother Moses, Miriam was right there, and courageously she stepped out as a girl. She stepped out and suggested that Pharaoh's daughter hire her mama, Moses' mother, to go to the palace and be the nursemaid. And that's what happens. Miriam's an amazing, amazing woman. In Scripture, she is known as a prophet. You didn't know women could be prophets. Miriam was one. Scripture calls her one. After they cross the Red Sea, it's Miriam who leads the people of God in worship with a song that is still recorded in Scripture. I'm saying Miriam and Aaron ordinarily don't act like this. What happens to them? It's jealousy. It's jealousy. Now notice something interesting. Verse 1. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Now, that's how this story starts. That's kind of weird. First off, we really don't know what this means. We don't know what this verse refers to. We know that Moses had a wife. Her name was Zipporah. So maybe Aaron and Miriam resent the fact that Moses has taken a second wife. We don't know. We don't know. Some people like to say that this is one of those instances where the Bible is is condemning a mixed race marriage. That Moses is marrying a Cushite woman who perhaps was an African woman. And therefore this is a marriage that must be condemned. But, But I'm telling you, you're projecting something in scripture that's probably not there. That kind of racism, that kind of African racism really didn't exist back in biblical times. So understand that that's probably not it. But if it is a mixed race thing that they criticize, understand by the end of the story, God does not criticize it. So that's not the issue. I promise it's not the issue because in verse 2, we find out what the issue is. It has nothing to do with who Moses marries, nothing to do with a Cushite woman. The only thing it has to do with is that Aaron and Miriam have become jealous. I told you that jealousy hides itself, that jealousy will always wear a mask. And that's what you see there in verses 1 and 2 in that movement between criticizing his wife and then it really comes out that they're just jealous of him, jealous of what God has given him, jealous. This is why I want you to really think this morning about your life because you probably have people in your life That for some reason, you just can't probably put your finger on it, but you don't like her very much. There might be somebody in your life, and honestly, you have hard feelings. You really don't like to be around this person, and you probably never thought very much why that is. But let me suggest there might be some jealousy involved, because that's how it happens. That's how it works. You will rarely ever just come right out and let yourself admit that you're jealous So you have a girlfriend, you have a girlfriend, and she goes on a diet, and she loses 60 pounds in June, and so therefore, all summer long, she is now wearing a two-piece bathing suit and looking babylicious. Your friend, who lost 50, 60 pounds, and you see that, and you tell yourself, 
I think she's gotten, she thinks she's better now that she gets in a two-piece. She thinks she's better. I, I don't like her. I don't feel the same way about her. She thinks she's better now. Isn't that interesting how you get these hard feelings toward a friend who suddenly looks wonderful in a two-piece bathing suit? Did you ever think that you just might be a little bit jealous? Your buddy gets a new car. It's a beautiful car, convertible. He's out there. He parks it right next to your big jalopy. And you tell yourself, you know, my friend, I think he's changing. He's gotten a little bit too materialistic. I think I'm going to not be his friend because he's just so materialistic. Did you ever stop to think that it's not that he's materialistic, it's that you might be jealous? That lady at church who's like the Martha Stewart, when we have a potluck, she brings some beautiful casserole and some really, really expensive casserole dish. And all of her kids walk in a straight line, and they all mind, and they don't ever spit or pick their nose or, or, or sass mama. And her husband's good looking, and they pull in in a nice car, and you hate her. You hate her. And you make up all kinds of reasons for hating her, and you can continue to make all the reasons you want, but I just want to suggest that maybe you're making up reasons to hate her, and it's got nothing to do with her. It's simply maybe that you're jealous. Maybe you're just jealous. The piece of paper comes through the office that has everybody's salaries listed, and you suddenly find out what everybody makes, and you realize that everybody's making more money than you, and all of a sudden you can come up with a reason to hate everybody at work. Maybe that's jealousy. Did you understand? That's how it works. It, it hides. It, it will wear a mask. You will almost never, ever come right out and say that the reason I have a problem with that person is because I'm eaten alive with jealousy when I'm with her, when I'm with him. But why don't you stop and, and at least entertain that possibility? Honestly, you could slow down a whole lot. You no longer have to think of reasons to hate people. If you'll just admit, just come out and admit that you're jealous. You're jealous of people. You're very, very insecure. You're very discontent with what you have. And when you see what other people has, it eats you alive. It's a cancer in the bone, Scripture says. And it happens right here with Aaron and Miriam. And honestly, they're the last people we would expect to feel like this. What are they jealous of? Notice what they say in verse 2. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? That's a rhetorical question. They think they know the answer. What's the answer? Of course not. God has not only spoken through Moses. Hasn't he spoken through us too? What are they saying? What are they saying? Apparently they had gone to a Friday night screening of that movie, The Ten Commandments. And Moses has that huge, magnificent spotlight with Charlton Heston playing the role of Moses. And who plays Miriam? We don't even know. Was Miriam in the show? And Aaron, who plays Aaron? I don't know. I think it's that same guy that played Goober on Mayberry RF. Do you understand? I don't even know that guy. And Aaron and Miriam start looking and they, and, and they start retracing the steps and they've been right there the whole way. Miriam could have sunk that raft a long time ago and killed her brother. She may have been better off. She could have just held the whole thing underwater, but she didn't. She protected him. She is the very reason he got to Pharaoh's palace in the first place. He'd never get there without Miriam. And Moses couldn't talk his way out of a wet paper bag. He needs Aaron everywhere he goes because Aaron talks for him. 
But somehow, when it's all said and done, Moses gets all of this glory. And Aaron and Miriam are left standing there looking at their baby brother, God's favorite, everybody's favorite, and nobody even knows their story. Has God only been speaking through Moses all of this time? Hasn't he spoken through us too? What are they jealous of? They're jealous of Moses' place before God. The way God blesses Moses and uses Moses. The way that when something happens, even though there are others around helping Moses, somehow Moses always gets the credit. Somehow Moses is always the one that God will speak face to face with. And Aaron, Aaron and Miriam watched that happen day after day, week by week, year after year. And at some point, it starts eating at them. It's just eating at them. And they start criticizing Moses out loud. I don't know at what point they do that. But at the point they do that, the scripture says, the Lord hears them. The Lord hears it. So just stop right now and understand that that jealous thought that you have in your heart, you may not even say it, but the Lord hears that. And you've got to at least recognize the truth of this story, that jealousy is a sin that God takes very seriously, and in this instance, a sin that God judges very severely. Your jealousy, my jealousy, is not something small. It is something that God takes very seriously. And interestingly, God takes it personally. God takes it personally. God hears it, and God responds to it. It's personal. Let's stop right there. They're complaining about Moses. It's Moses that they have the beef with. It's Moses that sometimes they like to choke him in his sleep. It's Moses they have the problem with. Why does God take it so personally? Because ultimately, it is God whom they're speaking against. Do you see that? It is God. They see how God uses them, and they see how God blesses them. But then they look and see how God uses and bless Moses, and they want some of that. They're no longer content to fill the place that God has given them. They want Moses' place too. They're no longer satisfied with the gifts that God has given them. They can sing, they can speak, but somehow that doesn't compare with what Moses has. They forget about their gifts. They want the gifts that Moses has. Do you see how jealousy works? It's really not a small thing. It is a very prideful thing. Jealousy is, in fact, my standing up and saying, God, I'm not satisfied with the way you're taking care of me. I'm not satisfied with the gifts you've given me. I also want the gifts you've given my friend, my neighbor. It would be the equivalent of saying, God, I see how you bless Woodburn Baptist Church, but I insist that you bless us like you bless Hillview with seven figures. Do you see that that's speaking against God? That is implying that God is not wise in dispersing gifts to us. It suggests that God is not generous in taking care of you. You're speaking against God. That enmity in your heart against you and your neighbors, it, in truth, is an enmity between you and God. And God hears it, he sees it, he takes it personally. God takes it personally. So he calls him out. 
Moses, Miriam, Aaron, come to me. He appears and he speaks. And he says right there, so why are you not afraid? Why are you not afraid to criticize my servant? You understand that? This doesn't say, why aren't you afraid to criticize your brother? Nobody's afraid to criticize their own brother. But in this instance, that's not, that's not the way God wants them to understand it. Why are you not afraid to criticize my servant? You see, you get jealous of that other man at church. You get jealous of that lady that you work with. And and honestly, it's not that you can criticize and complain about that person without at the very same time criticizing and complaining against God. We're all his servants. It's God who's given all of us what we have, the gifts that we have, the position that we have. It's God who sets those places. If you can't be satisfied with what God has given you, then honestly, your complaint is against God. He hears it, he takes it seriously, and you'll suffer for it. Did you see the consequences here? Notice in verse 9, the Lord was very angry with them, and he departed. You've got to understand that this jealousy in your heart, it is going to separate you from God. This is a spiritual issue. And you are not going to make progress in your life in the Lord, your life of faith. You're not going to move forward as long as you harbor this cancer, this ulcer in your heart. Jealousy will interrupt what God is doing in your life. It will separate you from him. God departs. And then notice at the end, Miriam, who has led this charge, Miriam is left with leprosy, head to toe. Her skin all of a sudden scabbed over white. It's horrible. And suddenly she has to be cast out. You know how leprosy was in the ancient times. Miriam is going to be driven out. So notice that this jealousy, this act that she does, these words that she speaks ultimately separate her from God and then separate her from everybody else. The price that you pay for jealousy is loneliness and isolation. Always. Let's say you are that jealous wife, that jealous wife that's got that hot, hunky husband, and, and, and you're just eat up with, with worrying about him. Today's my wife's birthday. I love this because for the next six months, she's older than me, which makes me that hot, hunky young husband. You, you get it? And she's like the old lady married to the young man. Isn't that awesome, Casey? Isn't that awesome? So understand that she's feeling a little jealous, you know, with, with this young man. I, I'm just teasing. Do you understand how jealousy works? You're that wife, that husband that's eaten up with jealousy. This does not strengthen your marriage. It doesn't make you any easier to be married to. Do you understand? It drives a wedge between you and your spouse. It begins to separate you. You will begin to feel the isolation, the the loneliness, because that's the price you pay for jealousy. It's going to separate you from everybody. You're that person that comes to church and you just can't hardly stand anybody. You've got something against everybody here. I just want to offer it to you, ma'am. Listen to me, sir. It's probably jealousy. It can't be that everybody in the world has something that you don't like. Chances are you're a very insecure person and it eats you alive to see other people blessed. You resent the fact that other people seem to have friends. You resent the fact that God blesses them and apparently skips over you. I'm telling you, it's probably jealousy and the price you will pay for harboring it 
loneliness, in isolation until you deal with this monster, this cancer in your heart. So, so, so how do you deal with it? I'm going to give you a few steps. Number one, admit it. Drag it out into the light. I'm telling you, this is liberating because now suddenly you don't have to try to figure out reasons why you don't like people. Just say that you're jealous. Just admit that you're jealous. It's very, very difficult because it's embarrassing. The moment you say that, you suddenly understand how petty you are. You understand how small it is, the, the things that you've allowed to be so large in your life. It's humiliating, it's embarrassing, but I'm telling you, it sets you free. Stop calling your jealousy something else. Stop assuming that other people just have things wrong somehow, and therefore you're justified in not liking them. You're a jealous person. Admit it, confess it as sin. And that's the very beginning of forgiveness and change. Your heart can be changed if you confess this sin. A admit it. Just admit it. Confess it. Number two, get your eyes off your brothers and sisters. Stop looking at other people. Jealousy always has three roots, really. Either you're comparing yourself to other people, you can't stop comparing, or maybe you're just, you can't stop competing. Some people are constantly in competition with other people, always have to be better, always have to have more, always have to be everything. Do you understand? If you're that competitive or that comparing type of person, jealousy is always going to be a threat to you. Sometimes jealousy just has to do with that fear of being replaced, that fear of someone better taking your place. But, but, but I'm telling you, just admit it. Call it what it is. Let God start to change you. Get your eyes off your brothers and sisters. You don't compare yourself to them. Certainly God's going to bless them in different ways than God blesses you. And God is sovereign and free to do that. He is absolutely free to do whatever he chooses to do. So if your neighbor is blessed in a way that you are not blessed, you cannot allow that jealousy to creep in. Because ultimately you're saying that God isn't doing a good job in caring for you. That God owes you something. Get your eyes off your brothers and sisters. Stop looking. Stop comparing. Stop competing. There was literally a scientific study done of Olympic medalists. Now you've seen the Olympic ceremony. You have the gold, the silver and the bronze, gold, silver, and bronze. They actually did a scientific study to find out who's happiest, gold, silver, and bronze. Now, you just guessed, scientists that you are, who do you think's the happiest on the platform? Gold. Yeah, duh. Gold is happiest. The gold medal winner is happy. But who do you think's in second place? Who do you think is second happiest, silver or bronze? Bronze. Did y'all say that because you know or because you think that wouldn't be right, so therefore you said that? Because I don't think that sounds right, but it's right. The bronze medalist is second happiest. Why? Because he just knows he's lucky to be there in the first place. Yeah. The silver medalist is standing there in second place, and what are they thinking? That close, baby, that close. I mean, they're smiling and singing the national anthem, but they're thinking, I ought to be gold. I was almost gold. I should be gold. Yeah, the silver medalists can't stop thinking that they were that close to gold. But that bronze guy standing there, he's just smiling. What's he thinking? 
Man, I almost wasn't here. Man, baby, I almost wasn't here at all. And honestly, that's how we should be thinking. Man, I'm just lucky to be here at all. I look across this congregation and I see people that God's blessed in amazing ways, in ways that he's not blessed me. Some of you have things, you have blessings I'll never know. But you know what? I'm very blessed myself. I'm just lucky to be here at all. God's given me a family. God's given me a wonderful, wonderful church and ministry. I, I love what God has given me. Why would I waste a moment wishing for what God has given you? God knows what he's doing. I am blessed far beyond what I deserve. I'm lucky to be here at all. Understand? Stop looking at your neighbor. Stop looking at your brothers and sisters. Just get your eyes off of them. Stop looking at them. You're blessed to be here at all. And then one more thing. This won't make sense, and that's kind of the fun part of it. When you feel that jealousy, that jealous cancer begin to take over your heart, and that jealousy would lead you to do certain things that lead you to separate from people, it leads you to criticize and complain and begin to hate people. When you feel that jealousy start creeping up, let me give you a, a secret, and this won't make sense, and that's the fun part of it. When jealousy starts to take over your heart and it begins to dictate what you should do, do the opposite. This is actually a whole lot of fun. You do the opposite. When you see that, that friend of yours and something wonderful happens, she wins the lottery or she loses 60 pounds or, or, or she cleans her house like Martha Stewart, whatever. When you see a person who's blessed in a way that you're not blessed and you feel that tendency in your heart to resent that or be jealous of them, I'm telling you, just do the opposite and be happy for them. You can choose that. Do you understand? You can choose that. You can choose just to celebrate with her. You can be happy for them. You can thank God for everything God is doing in her life. You can choose to celebrate. You can choose not to be jealous. You can choose not to envy the gifts and blessings of others. You can simply choose to be happy for them. You can just be happy for what God is doing for them. And at the very same time, you will discover a whole new capacity to be happy in what God is doing for you. Do you see how that works? When you no longer resent and, and become jealous of what God is doing for others, you'll begin to see and appreciate, be grateful for what he's doing for you. As God showers the blessings upon everybody on the planet today, I promise you, he won't be skipping over you. He's never skipped over you. You may not have gotten all of the blessings that your brother, your sister, that your neighbors have gotten, but God has never overlooked you. He's always blessed you, always been good to you. So take your eyes off of your brothers and sisters. Take your eyes off the other people. Why don't you change your focus? Put your eyes back on the Lord who loves you, blesses you, more than you could ever deserve. Pray with me. God, this is the monster that is most difficult for us to face. As soon as we admit that we are jealous, Lord, suddenly we begin to look very small and very petty, and we don't like to see ourselves in that way. 
So much easier, Lord, just to hate people, just to avoid people, just to tell ourselves that they think they're better, that they're stuck up, just to find some fault, some flaw that we can begin to criticize, Lord, rather than facing the cancer in our own heart. Lord, truly, if jealousy were a physical illness, this whole church would be in the hospital. Lord, all of us struggle in this way. All of us look at others. All of us wonder, Lord, why you bless others with certain gifts and seem not to give us, Lord, the same benefits. Help us, Lord. Help us to confess and admit our jealousy. Help us, Lord, to take our eyes off of other people, to stop thinking about the ways that you're blessing them. Help us, Lord, to see the way you're blessing us. We thank you, Lord, that you're a good and generous God. We thank you, Lord, that you're continuing to bless all the people around us. We thank you, Lord, for all the churches in all the counties enjoying your blessings, for Hillview Heights and Living Hope and and for uh, Black Jack and First Baptist Franklin. Lord, we thank you for all of them. Bless them all because, Lord, we know when you bless others, it doesn't take anything away from the way you're blessing us. Lord, we know that you're blessing us too. And whatever you choose to give us, Lord, always it will be more than we deserve. And always it'll be enough. You've given us enough, Lord. So let us stop being jealous, envious of others. Help us, Lord, just to be grateful. In Jesus' name.